0: Hello everyone, I'm Kathleen Pelly. Welcome to the special omnibus edition of Journey with Story, where you can listen to all of this month's episodes, one after the other. And just so you know, there will be no special intro for the individual stories, no added details and no shout outs. If you want to hear all of those, then you'll need to listen to the individual episodes and not this version. Got it? Oh, Mums, dads, grown-ups, you can download some free colouring sheets at our website www.journeywithstory.com Let's take an omnibus journey with story. Now, let's take a journey with Philemon and Boses. Long, a long ago, on a high hill in Greece, lived Philemon and Boses. They were poor but never unhappy. They had many hives of bees from which they gathered honey, and many vines from which they collected grapes. One old cow gave them all the milk that they could use, and they had a little field in which they grew some grain. The old couple had as much as they needed and were always ready to share whatever they had with anyone in want. No stranger was ever turned away from their door. At the foot of the hill lay a beautiful village with long winding roads and rich pasture lands all around. But it was full of wicked, selfish people who had no love in their hearts and thought of only themselves. At the time of this story, the people in the village were very busy, because Zeus, whom they believed ruled the world, had sent word that he was about to visit them. They were cooking a great feast, and making everything beautiful for his coming. One evening, just at dark, two beggars came into the valley. They stopped at every house and asked for food and a place to sleep, but the people were too busy or too tired to offer them anything. They were thinking only of the coming of Zeus. With aching feet and empty stomachs, the two beggars came at last to the hut of Philemon and Baucis. These good people had eaten very little that day as they were saving their best food Zeus. When they saw the beggars, Philemon said, Surely these men need food more than Zeus. They look almost starved. Oh, indeed they do, said Boses. And she ran quickly to fix supper for the men. She spread her best white cloth upon the table and fixed bacon, herbs, honey, grapes, bread and milk, She set these upon the table in all the best dishes she had and called the strangers in. Then a most amazing thing happened. The dishes that the strangers touched turned to gold. The pitcher was never empty, although they drank glass after glass of milk. The loaf of bread stood always the same size even although the strangers cut slice after slice. These are very strange travellers, whispered the old couple to each other. See what wonderful things they can do. That night, Philemon and Bosses slept upon the floor so that the beggars might have their own bed. In the morning, they went with the travellers to the foot of the hill to see them safely started on their way. Now, good people, said one of the strangers, we thank you, and whatever you wish shall be yours. As he said this, his face became bright and shining, like that of the sun, and at once Philemon and Botus knew this was Zeus himself who had spoken to them. Together they cried out, Please, Zeus, We ask that neither of us shall outlive the other. We never want to be separated. Your wish is granted, said Zeus. Go to your home now and be happy, for many other delights await you. Philemon and Boses walked home, and to their amazement they discovered their hut had been changed into a beautiful Mm -hmm. castle. For many years they lived here and continued to spend their time helping others and never thinking of themselves. As the years went by, the couple grew very old and feeble. One day, Bossus said to Philemon, Oh, I wish we might never die, but could always live together. Ah, that is my wish too, sighed old Philemon. Next morning, the palace was gone. Bosus and Philemon were gone. But there on the hill stood two beautiful trees an oak and a linden. No one knew what became of the good people. After many years, however, a traveller. Lying under the trees, heard them whispering to each other. Boswas whispered the oak. Filimon replied the linden. There the trees stood, through sun and rain, always ready to spread their leafy shade over every tired stranger who passed that way. Let's take a journey with the bookery. Timothy Tuttle was a lover of books. He had oodles of them stuffed into every nook and cranny of his itty-bitty house, which was an attic above the bakery. Books, 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 everywhere a book. Timothy Tuttle had books for sunny days and soggy days, for up days and down days. He had books for everyone and anyone, for fusspots and worry warts, for bossy boots and know-it-alls, for dreamers and doers. And in times of trouble, be it a torn teddy, a bent bike or a sick kitty, Timothy Tuttle always turned up with a listening ear, a hearty hug, and just the book to banish the blues and heal the hurt. But whenever he popped into the baker's below to lend a book, Mr. Cameron only tisked and tutted and shooed him away. "I've no time for books." he grumbled. There's bread to bake and buns to frost. Besides, I've told you before, Mr Tuttle, you have altogether too many books. You are going to run out of room one of these days. Timothy Tuttle only chuckled. No, 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 he insisted. Books are like friends. There will always be room for another. And when one dreadful day, Timothy Tuttle "'did run out of room for his beloved books. "'He simply shrugged and said, "'Oh, dear, now I will just have to find "'some more unusual spots for my books.' "'And that is just what he did. "'He crammed a bundle into the empty oven. "'He wedged some in between the stairs. "'He squirreled a few into socks and slippers and shoes.' He buried others in bread baskets and flower pots. He even built a turret of books by the window and a tunnel of books in the hall. And now the only place left for him to read was perched atop a mound of books in the bathtub. But Timothy Tuttle never complained. Instead he continued to feast on books. Books that moved him to tears, (laughs) to smiles, to do good and to be more. Books, 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 from cellar to ceiling, through hall and bedroom and beyond. Books brimmed. Too many books, scolded Mr Cameron, as he bumped into a merry band of book lovers bounding down the stairs. Nonsense, called Timothy Tuttle from the landing. Books are like friends. They make you love more. You can never have too many. And indeed, everyone agreed you could not wish for a finer friend than Timothy Tuttle. When little Lucinda Brennan was in the hospital with a spot of tummy trouble, Timothy Tuttle trundled off to give her a wheelbarrow full of books tied up in a ribbon. He stayed a while and read her his favourite book of poems. "'Oh, you're a pal!' trilled Lucinda, and her face sparkled like a star. When farm and Jim's old cat Alice died, Timothy Tuttle bustled off to the fire station with a tuna casserole and a book called Kitty Heaven. He hung around to listen to some Alice stories. And then he left with a wave and a hug. And when Mr Cameron came down with the flu, it was Timothy Tuttle who kept the bakery open. But, 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 but how will you manage? sputtered Mr Cameron. Oh, not to worry, soothed Timothy Tuttle. I've read up all about it. For four days, Timothy Tuttle kneaded the dough frosted the buns and baked the bread while customers streamed in and out. Meanwhile, Mr Cameron lay in the back bedroom with a bottle of medicine, a bowl of soup, and a bundle of books. Day after day, spoonful by spoonful, the soup and the medicine chased away his fever and his chills. And, page after page, word by word... Those books of stories buried their way into his heart and charmed him into a book lover with a penchant for pirate stories. On the fifth day, Mr Cameron told Timothy Tuttle, I'm almost better now, but still can you bring me another bundle of books tomorrow? Ah, certainly, agreed Timothy Tuttle, but... "'Before tomorrow dawned, a storm began to brew. "'In the middle of the night, the rain lashed and the wind screeched. "'A mighty gust ripped a hole through the roof. "'Torrents of rain gushed in. "'My books!' cried Timothy Tuttle as he leapt out of bed. "'They'll be ruined!' he called his friend Fireman Jim. "'He came at once with his fire brigade. "'It's going to take a while to mend this roof.' yelled Farman Jim. You need to move your books somewhere safe at once. But where, wailed Timothy Tuttle. My bakery, of course. It was Mr Cameron. He had heard all the commotion and had come to help. Splendid, agreed Timothy Tuttle. But how can we move all these books? We could use our special Farman's chute, suggested Farman Jim. But it turned out the attic staircase was too narrow for the chute and for all those burly firemen. Oh, dear, now what shall we do? wailed Mr Cameron. Timothy Tuttle had no answer. He bit his lip. His heart flip-flopped as he thought about a bookless life. As he stared outside and pondered his predicament, he noticed a flock of friends. ''We've heard about your troubles,'' they yelled as they hammered on his door. ''We're here to help.'' At once, Timothy Tuttle mustered his wits and his manners. ''In you come!'' he cried. ''Now, make a chain,'' he ordered. ''A human chain!'' "'We can move the books hand to hand.' "'And that is just what they did. "'Friend by friend, hand to hand, book by book, "'in stacks and piles and bundles, "'they moved that attic full of books "'until they were all lined up next to the bread and the buns, "'safe and snug and dry. (gasps) "'Thank you, my friends!' cried Timothy Tuttle amidst a flurry of cheers and tears. Until his roof was mended, Timothy Tuttle stayed with Mr Cameron in the bakery. Then he returned to his attic with a pile of his favourite books, but the rest remained at the bakery. As it turned out, Mr Cameron liked having a bounty of books in his store. It's good for business, he declared. And Timothy Tuttle... Liked having such a bounty of nooks and crannies to sit and read again. It's good for the soul, he declared. Mr. Cameron and Timothy Tuttle hung up a new sign outside. The Bookery. Now, from far and near, people flocked to buy their bread, borrow a book, and make a friend or two. Pooks, pooks, everywhere a poke. Now, let's take a journey with The Lion and the Gnat Far away in Africa where thick, lush forests and wild beasts abound the shades of night swooped down warning all the creatures that it was time to seek a resting place All day long The sun had been like a great burning eye, but now, after painting the western sky crimson and scarlet and gold, he had disappeared into his fleecy bed. The various creatures of the forest had sought their holes and resting places. The last sound had rumbled its rumble, the last bee had mumbled his mumble, and the last bear... "'had grumbled his grumble. "'Even the grasshoppers that had been chirping, chirping "'through all the long hours without a pause, "'at length had ceased their shrill music, "'tucked up their long legs, "'and settled into a deep sleep. "'There, on a nodding grass-blade, "'a tiny gnat had made a swinging couch,' And he too had folded his wings closed his tiny eyes and was fast asleep. Darker, darker, darker became the night until the darkness could almost be felt. And over all was a solemn stillness as though some powerful finger had been raised and some powerful voice had whispered, Hush! Just when all was perfectly still, there came suddenly from the faraway depths of the forest, like the roll of thunder, a mighty roar. In a moment all the beasts and birds were wide awake, and their poor little gnat was nearly frightened out of his little senses, and his little heart went pit-a-pat. He rubbed his tiny eyes with his feelers, and then... "'peered all around, trying to see through the deep gloom "'as he whispered in terror, "'What was that?' "'What do you think it was?' "'Yes, a lion, a great big lion, "'who, while most other creatures of the forest slept, "'was out hunting for prey. "'He came rushing and crashing "'through the thick undergrowth of the forest.' "'swirling his long tail and opening wide his great jaws, "'and as he rushed, he roared. "'Presently, he reached the spot where the little gnat hung, "'panting at the tip of the waving grass blade. "'Now, the little gnat was not afraid of lines, "'so when he saw it was only a line, he cried out, "'Hey, stop, stop!' making that horrible noise about the line stopped short then backed slowly and regarded the gnat with scorn "Why, you tiny little mean insignificant creature you how dare you speak to me he raged how dare i speak to you repeated the gnat quietly why, the virtue of right, which is always greater than might. Why don't you keep to your own part of the forest? What right have you to be here disturbing folks at this time of night? By a mighty effort, the lion restrained his anger. He knew that to obtain mastery over others, one must be master over oneself. What right? he repeated in dignified tones, because I am king of the forest. That's why I can do no wrong. For all the other creatures of the forest are afraid of me. I do what I please. I say what I please. I eat whom I please. I go where I please please, simply because I am king of the forest. But who told you you were the king, demanded the gnat. Just answer me that. Who told me, roared the lion. Why, everyone acknowledges it. Don't I tell you that everyone is afraid of me? indeed cried the gnat disdainfully pray don't say all for I am not afraid of you and further I deny your right to be king this was too much for the line he now worked himself into a perfect fury you 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 deny my right as king I do and what is more you shall never be king until you have fought and conquered me The lion laughed, a great lion laugh. And a lion laugh cannot be laughed at like a cat laugh, as everyone ought to know. Fight? Did you say fight? he asked. Whoever heard of a lion fighting a gnat? Here, out of my way, you atom of nothing, I'll blow you to the other end of the world. But though the line puffed his cheeks until they were like great bellows and then blew with all his might, he could not disturb the little gnat's hold on the swaying grass blade. Ha, you'll blow all your whiskers away if you are not careful, said the gnat with a laugh. But you won't move me. And if you dare leave this spot without fighting me, I'll tell all the beasts of the forest that you are afraid of me and they'll make me king. "'Ho-ho!' roared the lion. "'Very well. Since you will fight, let it be so. "'You agree to the conditions, then, the one who conquers shall be king?' "'Oh, certainly!' laughed the lion, "'for he expected an easy victory. "'Are you ready?' "'Quite ready. "'Then go!' roared the lion. "'And with that, he sprang forward with open jaws.' thinking he could easily swallow a million gnats. But just as the great jaws were about to close upon the blade of grass where the gnat clung, what should happen but that the gnat suddenly spread his wings and nimbly flew, where do you think? Right, into one of the lines nostrils and there he began to sting 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 the lion wondered and thundered and blundered but the gnat went on stinging he foamed and he moaned and he groaned still the gnat went on stinging he rubbed his head on the ground in agony he swirled his tail in furious passion he roared he spluttered He sniffed, he snuffed, and still the gnat went on stinging. Oh, my poor nose, my nose, my nose! The lion began to moan. Come down, come down, come down! My nose, my nose, my nose! You king of the forest, you king, you king! Only come down, my nose! So, at last, the gnat flew out from the lion's nostril and went back to his waving grass blade while the lion slunk away into the depths of the forest with his tail between his legs, beaten and by a tiny gnat. "'What a fine fellow I am, to be sure!' exclaimed the gnat as he proudly plumed his wings. "'I've bitten a lion! A lion!' Dear me, I ought to have been king long ago. I'm so clever, so big, so strong. Oh oh, 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 The gnat's frightened cry was caused by finding himself entangled in some silky sort of threads. While gloating over his victory, the wind had risen. And his grass blade had swayed violently, to and fro, unnoticed by him. A stronger gust than usual had bent the blade downward, close to the ground. And then something caught it, and held it fast, and with it the victorious net. Oh, the desperate struggles he made to get free! Alas! He became more entangled than ever. Can you guess what it was? Yes, a spider's web hung out from the overhanging branch of a tree. Then, flipperty flopperty, flipperty flopperty flop, flip flop, down his stairs came running Father Spider and quickly gobbled up the little gnat for his supper and that was the end of him a strong lion and what overcame him? a gnat a clever gnat and what overcame him? a spider's web he who had beaten the strong lion had been overcome by the subtle snare of a spider's threat. Take a journey with the stone cutter. Once upon a time there lived a stone cutter who went every day to a great rock in the side of a big mountain and cut out slabs for gravestones or for houses. He understood very well the kinds of stones needed for these different purposes. And as he was a careful workman, he had plenty of customers. For a long time he was quite happy and contented and asked for nothing better than what he had. Now, in the mountain dwelt a spirit which every now and then appeared to men and helped them in many ways to become rich and prosperous. The stonecutter, however, had never seen this spirit. And only shook his head in disbelief when anyone spoke of it. But a time was coming when he learned to change his opinion. One day, the stonecutter carried a gravestone to the house of a rich man, and he saw there all sorts of beautiful things of which he had never even dreamed suddenly his daily work seemed to grow harder and heavier, and he said to himself, "'Oh, if only I were a rich man, and could sleep in a bed with silken curtains and golden tassels, how happy I should be!' And a voice answered him, "'Your wish is heard, a rich man you shall be!' At the sound of the voice the stonecutter looked around he could not see anyone. He thought it was all his imagination and he picked up his tools and went home, for he did not feel inclined to do any more work that day. But, when he reached the little house where he lived, he stood still with amazement, for instead of his wooden hut, there stood before him a grand palace filled with splendid furniture And most splendid of all was the bed. In every respect, like the one he had envied, he was nearly beside himself with joy. And in his new life, the old one was soon forgotten. It was now the beginning of summer, and each day the sun blazed more fiercely. One morning the heat was so great that the stonecutter could scarcely breathe and he determined he would stay home till the evening. He was rather bored for he had never learned how to amuse himself and was peeping through the closed blinds to see what was going on in the street when a little carriage passed by. Drawn by servants dressed in blue and silver, in the carriage sat a prince "'and over his head a golden umbrella was held "'to protect him from the sun's rays. "'Oh, if only I were a prince,' said the stonecutter to himself "'as the carriage vanished around the corner. "'Oh, if only I were a prince and could go in such a carriage "'and have a golden umbrella held over me! "'How happy I should be!' "'And the voice of the mountain spirit answered, Your wish is heard. A prince you shall be. And a prince he was. Before his carriage rode one company of men and another behind it. Servants dressed in scarlet and gold bore him along. The coveted umbrella was held over his head. Everything heart could desire was his. But yet it was not enough. He looked round still for something to wish for when he saw that in spite of the water he poured on his grass the rays of the sun scorched it and that in spite of the umbrella held over his head each day his face grew browner and browner he cried in his anger The sun is mightier than I Oh, if I were only the sun And the mountain spirit answered Your wish is heard The sun you shall be And the sun, he was, and felt himself proud in his power. He shot his beams above and below, on earth and in heaven. He burnt up the grass in the fields and scorched the faces of princes as well as of poorer folk. But in a short time he began to grow tired of his might, for there seemed nothing left for him to do discontent once more filled his soul and when a cloud covered his face and hid the earth from him he cried in his anger does the cloud hold captive my rays and is it mightier than I oh that I were a cloud and mightier than any and the mountain spirit answered your wish is heard a cloud you shall be and a cloud he was "'and lay between the sun and the earth. "'He caught the sun's beams and held them, "'and to his joy the earth grew green again "'and flowers blossomed. "'But that was not enough for him, "'and for days and weeks he poured forth rain "'till the rivers overflowed their banks "'and the crops of rice stood in water. "'Towns and villages were destroyed "'by the power of the rain.' Only the great rock on the mountainside remained unmoved. The cloud was amazed at the sight and cried in wonder, Is the rock then mightier than I? Oh, if only I were the rock! And the mountain spirit answered, Your wish is heard. The rock you shall be. And the rock he was and gloried in his power proudly he stood and neither the heat of the sun nor the force of the rain could move him this is better than all he said to himself but one day he heard a strange noise at his feet and when he looked down to see what it could be he saw a stone cutter driving tools into his surface even while he looked A trembling feeling ran all through him, and a great block broke off and fell upon the ground. Then he cried in his wrath, Is a mere child of earth mightier than rock? Oh, if I were only a man! And the mountain spirit answered, Your wish is heard, a man once more you shall be. And a man he was, and in the sweat of his brow he toiled again at his trade of stone-cutting. His bed was hard and his food scarce, but he had learned to be satisfied with it and did not long to be something or somebody else. And as he never asked for things he had not got, or desired to be greater and mightier than other people, he was happy at last, and heard the voice of the mountain spirit no longer I hope you enjoyed all of our stories for this month. And if you subscribe to our Patreon page, you can enjoy even more perks and resources. Here's to stories plenty that fill our hearts with grace and goodness, hope and light, so that we remember, as my favourite poet says, All shall be well, all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be Be well. Be well, my friends, be well, and join me next time for Journey with Story. Music and post-production was by Colette Jonas.